It's Monday, and you know what that means. Not only are you just about to hear another new episode of the Stacking Benjamin Show, but we also have a shout-out to the men and women of our U.S. Armed Forces. On behalf of Navy Federal Credit Union and our team here at Stacking Benjamins, thank you for all that you do. Let's get this week rolling. Oh! A deer! A female deer. Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's The Stacking Benjamin Show. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and how's your budget? Ever heard of a family budget meeting? Even if you plan a loan, today we welcome a woman who's mastered the art of getting money things done, Catherine Alford. Plus... Are you itching to get out and travel? Now might actually be the time to find that dream trip. We'll discuss why and talk about some not-so-great NFT news during our headline segment. Later, we'll toss out the Haven Lifeline and I'll share some crazy trivia with you. And now, two guys who might take a lesson from our headline and go on vacation to leave me alone for a while... It's Joe and oh, J-J-J-J-G. Are you kidding me? Every week you're doing the podcast is like a vacation in mom's basement. Cheapest vacation ever. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Staycations for the Win podcast. I'm Joe Salcihi, Average Joe Money on Twitter and kicking off a glorious Monday. It's our good friend, OG. What's up? How was your weekend, sir? Pretty good. Doing a little of this, doing a little of that. Still, uh, you know, on week two of my uh, recovery from my shot. So uh, it's great. Just you to, everybody should get one. How long are you going to milk that? Like you're going to be like, I'm only on week 18 recovering from my shot. Don't think I can do dishes now. Yeah. Well, I have retired from dishes a long time ago. But uh, yeah, it's... Uh, just really kicked my butt. Did you and Mrs. OG have the family budget meeting this weekend? I got yelled at this weekend for busting the family budget. I don't think that that's the actual budget meeting. Although, Kat Alford does say that conflict can be a part of it. So we're going to talk to her today. She's author of the new book, Mom's Got Money. Can't wait to roll into that. By the way, before we get into it, you know, you can listen to Stacky Benjamins on your smart speaker. Just say... Hey, smart speaker, whatever your smart speaker name is, which I should say the name so that everybody's smart speaker pops on right now, but I won't. Hey, smart speaker, play Stacking Benjamin's podcast, and it will, boom, automatically play our show. So whether you're listening on your smart speaker, in the car, walking the dog, we got you covered. We got a great show today, but first... This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. 
Insure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Catherine Alford joins us. This woman knows hustle. She is going to tell her amazing story and help you get better with the budget. But before that, we got some headlines. So let's roll. Hello, darlings. And now it's time for your favorite part of the show. Our stacking Benjamin's headlines. Our first headline comes to us from a site called the defiant.io. Uh, and this is written by Dan Kahan. You familiar with the NBA Top Shot? Uh, no, I'm not. I don't know what that is. One of the hottest areas right now in blockchain are these things called NFTs. Ah, yes. And and what Top Shot does is allow you to buy a moment, an NBA moment that was a big moment. You get the moment from all different aspects. You get not just you know what you would get on a baseball card. It's kind of like a baseball card, but you also get the signature moves. You get game winning shots, jaw dropping blocks. According to the top shot website, you get the player stats, a highlight description, the play description. Every one of these is individually numbered. And the cool thing is it can't be replicated. OG because it's blockchain. There is complete proof that you own it. So as Top Shot has come out with some of these baseball cards of the future, basketball cards of the future. I think we can probably safely call it. Of course, then there's a market for them and platforms. These, in this case, these basketball cards, they call those dApps. So Dan writes with over $230 million in gross sales since launch, $230 million in sales on a technology that I just had to explain to probably over half our audience, what it even is already doing very well and affiliation with one of the most lucrative sports franchises in the world. There's one important question. NBA top shot fans should be asking themselves, do they actually own their NBA top shots? Because if I have this DAP and it's individually numbered and it's mine and I can prove that it's mine, I think that I own it, which means I should be able to sell it, correct? That was going to be my point. Like, so I buy a Michael Jordan dunk and they show it on SportsCenter. Do I get money? Check this out. Top Shot users are experiencing several days of delays in the withdrawal of funds from the DAP, which is struggling to keep up with its massive growth. At least one user has been banned from the application after repeated attempts to withdraw his funds because he triggered, quote, suspicious activity. While the experience may sound familiar to users of popular fintech or Web2 companies, it's a far cry from the self-custody and permissionless experience that DeFi enthusiasts have come to expect. Everybody wants this to be, hey, I own this thing. I could 
give it to you. I can sell it. I can do whatever I want with it. That doesn't seem to be the case. Last week, a top shot buyer and cover protocol advisor who goes by the online name of DeFi Ted documented his struggles trying to withdraw funds from the top shot DAP. After three failed attempts to withdraw roughly $40,000 in profits, Ted contacted the customer support for NBA Top Shot's parent company, Dapper Labs. Ted said he had completed all necessary know-your-customer, anti-money laundering identification procedures, had made multiple credit card purchases on Top Shot, and had completed over 350 sales and purchases since signing up in October. Meaning, he's proven, he thinks, that he's not a felon. Right. Right. That he's not somebody just laundering money and using blockchain to launder cash. Dapper Labs customer support respond over a week later. They have been overwhelmed with support requests over a week later, but would escalate the case to their compliance team and get back to him within a few days. $40,000. Get this. Upon gaining approval to complete his withdrawal request, Ted discovered that the maximum daily withdrawal limit was $1,000. Meaning... Withdrawing all of his funds could take months. This was further complicated by week-long processing time for every one of those withdrawals, during which time further withdrawals were not allowed. So now we're on 40 weeks of withdrawals. (laughs) 40 weeks, and probably more than that because of the delay with every single transaction. You cannot do a second transaction until the first transaction, according to this piece, is finished. Wow. Do you actually own this blockchain or not? Yeah. That's frustrating. Interesting. So just like earlier with uh, crypto, where there's a ton of growing pains, it sounds like this is a ton of growing pains as well. Yeah, this is still for all the promise here. And I think it is pretty exciting that you can verify that, hey, this collectible thing is mine. This is mine. This is authentic. Look at how many problems the recording industry had. I remember back in the day when everybody was, John Acuff talked about this, about getting songs off of Napster. Remember when everybody was just using Napster to steal music? No, I would never do that. No, no idea. You might've heard something of somebody else doing it. I heard other people did it. Yeah. But the recording industry had this huge issue. And so that allowed companies like Spotify, Apple music, Amazon music to jump in and make deals that most recording artists say is very difficult for them to actually make any money while making music. And you saw what happened with Taylor Swift recently. Have it remade her whole catalog. Yeah, because someone else had her stuff and yeah. she didn't like that. Yeah, I wouldn't like that either. So that's fantastic. But this still OG is the Wild West. Mm-hmm. And it goes back to, man, you said this a lot last week, the, the phrase, know the game you're playing. I think this is another case of read the fine print. Had Ted read the fine print ahead of time? Apparently it was there the whole time. You could only withdraw $1,000 at a time. Yeah, that still really sucks though, right? <laughs> I mean. It, it does. If I mean, all you hear about is they're promising that this is your money. This is yours. And you can prove that it's yours. If it's mine, why can't I get my cash? Hey, it's Monday. You know what that means? It means it's time for our TikTok Minute where we hear in most weeks some really, really uh, good Tongue completely in cheek, sarcasm at 100% advice from a TikToker. And today's TikTok minute was sent to us by a stacker. And you know what? I don't have the name here and I apologize, but this is fantastic. Check this TikTok video out. 
Good morning, everybody. I took up a little bit of a new hobby, and I'm kind of interested in day trading. So last week, I bought some stock in AMC. I bought it at about $15 a share. I've been waiting for the dip, and this morning we're down to $11.51, so I snatched up some more. Over the weekend, theaters opened in California, and they have been selling out all showtimes. Um, people on YouTube are saying that this could be the next GameStop, and they're predicting that shares could go for $2,000 a share. Some people say $1,000. Either way, I am ready to hold and take it to the moon. Take it to the moon. That video, of course, is a is a few weeks old. AMC, by the way, trading uh, as we record this at uh, over eight dollars a share at least. So she bought it at twelve. So she's only lost a quarter of her money so far. See, the thing that she screwed up was you're supposed to buy options. Oh, then you could have then bought way more. Then ridden it to the moon. Yeah, because it would have ended differently had she bought options. Maybe. <laughs> I think would have been the same, but a lot less money. You know, there's a few things that are scary here. Number one, people on YouTube are saying that phrase. Yeah. The people on YouTube. Yep. How do you feel when you hear that phrase? Oh, those people on YouTube are saying that this has got to be, if if you're getting your investing advice from people on YouTube, the people yeah. on YouTube, the people on YouTube. Yeah. Yikes. Huh? They're saying this, that they are saying that this could be $2,000 a share. And the second thing is technical analysis is a real thing. Now it's not something that most of our listeners should be paying any attention to, but there's two types of analysis. There's fundamental and there is technical analysis and technical analysis is something traders use, but buying the dip, a stock goes down is not technical analysis. Oh gee, it's, it isn't even a beginning of technical analysis. And yet I feel like there's a lot of people that during last year's run up who decided they were geniuses because, Hey, the stock goes down a little bit. I just buy the dip. That's all I, I got to do. Yeah. Actually, the only analysis she did was the part about AMC theaters opening to capacity. That actually is something like, Hey, I looked this up checked all the show times, but the difference is, is that like a hedge fund or a professional money manager would have actually gone to every AMC or gone to every AMC website to verify that every seat is taken, to verify that every showtime is booked and not just the anecdotal like, oh no, it's, it's, it's full. It's full. Yeah. The whole, the whole theater's full. They would have said, yeah, I'm going to check that out. And then done the math and said, well, each seat is worth this amount and each person buys this amount of popcorn on average and, you know. And then I think the price is going to go to eighteen fifty. Definitely not a thousand, by the way, but, you know. <laughs> or two. You know, knowing the heartbeat of the company that you own, though, a popular way to invest for individual stock investors is to under diversify. Not because you want less, because that increases the roller coaster swings in your portfolio, G. But the upside is you actually know the companies that you're buying and you can get to know the heartbeat and not just the technical buy the dip, but you can understand like she had that surface level discussion of, Hey, theaters are open and people are sitting in the theater. But to your point, you can also know what the good quarters are for AMC. Right. What are the times they usually make money? When did they decide to take out debt? How much money do their executives make? What's on the horizon for technology in movie theaters? Before COVID hit, I remember there was a bunch of new, a bunch of new experiences that movie theaters were experimenting with to try to drive people into theaters. So what how does all that work? 
it's going to the moon. <laughs> and by the way, while that sounds like work for me, that's the fun. Like the fun is knowing your company, knowing what you own is a, is a good time. Uh, thanks for sending that. I apologize that I don't have in front of me who sent that to me, but, but thank you. If, if you've got a TikTok video you saw that was fun, you want me to not credit you <laughs> when you, when you send it to me, send to me, Joe at, at stacking Benjamins. Our second headline comes to us from Yahoo finance. Have you started booking trips? OG? Well, kind of, we're, we're doing a week in Florida. Does that count? Yes, absolutely. Well, and we booked our airline tickets to San Francisco in September for the, the San Francisco marathon. My son will be running his first marathon. Cheryl and I are going to run the half. And we also booked our tickets to Japan to visit my daughter, hopefully in uh, late October. But this piece on Yahoo Finance from Alexis Christophorus, why you may want to book your next trip now. The window, she writes, to book that next great travel deal is getting smaller as the COVID-19 vaccine rollout ramps up. Travel experts say rising demand is sending airfares and hotel rates higher, though most are still below pre-pandemic levels. Don't expect it to be empty planes and $30 airfares like we were seeing a year ago, but you can still get deals if you hunt for them, said the Point Sky founder and CEO Brian Kelly. He told Yahoo Finance Live that inventory is becoming tighter with each passing week and predicts modest price increases to the rest of 2021. They got to get their money back, OG. They got so, right. so if you have any trips that you're 99.9% sure that you're going to take and you're waiting until next week or next month to book that travel, I, I agree with Brian here. That's a mistake. Get that stuff booked. Well, and especially because the travel industry and airlines still has pretty lucrative changeability, you know, uh, if, if something comes up, they're going to let you, uh, let you make a free change usually. Yeah. At the very least you'll score a credit to take the trip later, which you will probably do. Now, the bad news is that credit is usually for the amount of money that you paid, not for the complete ticket. So again, as prices go up, OG, you just, you want to, you want to get out there. My son is going to be spending some time with us in June before workers where he works go back to campus. So right now, like many people in America, he's working from home and he found out that in July, everybody's headed back to their desk. And so he decided to come work from here for June. And I immediately told him after he waited two days to buy the tickets, I said, you got to get that done, man. You got to buy that ticket now. Buy that, buy that right now. We'll link to this. There are some deals that are in here for different trips as the world starts to open back up. I don't, I don't know how many of these deals are still around, but we will link to them in our show notes page. Or if you're somebody that gets our stacker newsletter that includes a guide to our Monday and Wednesday shows, you already have that in front of you. So click and go if you want to start booking travel for maybe later this year or early next year. In just a moment, OG and I are going to have our takeaways from today's headlines. But first, at Navy Federal Credit Union, they don't just serve the Navy. They also serve the Army, Marine Corps, Air Force, Coast Guard, and even the Space Force. No matter where you are in your military career, they offer the products and the resources to help you navigate your finances, like the Navy Federal More Rewards American Express card, which offers three times points at supermarkets, food delivery, and gas, 
plus one point on everything else. That means you pay your bills on time and get that card so it is zero balance. You want to rack up the points. Enjoy special perks and points you can redeem for travel, cash, gift cards, and more. Plus, Earn bonus points. Learn more about how you can get 25,000 bonus points at $250 value when you open a Navy Federal More Rewards American Express card today. Visit NavyFederal.org for more details and to apply. Insured by NCUA, American Express is a registered service mark of American Express used by Navy Federal under license. Well, OG, AMC going to the moon, NFTs not being able to withdraw your money like you'd hoped, and travel beginning to open back up grab your tickets what's your biggest takeaway i think there's a lot coming on the on the blockchain stuff still like we were talking about crypto even years ago that the technology is the win but we're still seeing some headaches there you stole mine that was definitely my takeaway read the fine print but i'll go with the travel one i think that if if you're going to begin getting out there and traveling now and be safe if you do that people but if you're going to travel Man, book those tickets now because every travel podcast I listen to is beating this drum now. Get it now. And, and and you can see it when you book trips. You can see that you're not the only one there starting to ramp it up. Our guest today is a woman that I met some time ago at an industry conference called FinCon. The thing that I've always admired about Catherine is she is the hardest working person in the room. Oh, gee, my, our family, I don't know if your family has a family mantra, but ours has always been that we will not be outworked. You might be smarter than we are, but you're not going to outwork us. And I can very safely say I'm fairly certain that Catherine Alford outworks me. So you failed at your family mantra. You've run <laughs> dishonor on your family. I know. There's no dishonor here because Catherine, you're going to find out here, is not only incredibly smart when it comes to her money and her family's money, but she's also been there. And not only is she taking care of her family's financial picture, she's the mother of young twins and has a mid-six-figure now writing business, which she talks about a little bit in her brand new book, among other things. You and I have talked a lot about the family budget meeting. She has a whole chapter of her book on the family budget meeting. So I said, hey, I want you to come on and talk about this so it's not just me preaching about these budget meetings. So here she is, Catherine, we call her Cat Alford, coming down to the basement. And coming down the stairs to the basement, it's our good friend. And I say that all the time, good friend, but this is truly my good friend, Catherine Alford. How are you? I'm great, Joe. Thanks for having me on. It's good to see you. Well, it's great to see you too. And I want to pull the curtain back just a little bit for people that think that they can't do this. And this is, and you even write about this in the intro to your book, that this was not a baby that was birthed easily. This is for everybody that thinks they don't have a book in them. Like, I think they need to hear this story or think that whether, Hey, it's a book or anything or working out or, you know, getting where you want to go. Like tell the story of this book. So in 2016, I had an idea for a book. I worked with a mentor. I 
got help writing proposal. I had been self-employed for a few years. Lots of people that you and I both know were getting book deals. And I'm like, this is my time, you know? And I had such a hard time selling this book. First, just so many challenges getting a literary agent. Then once I got a literary, literary agent, I spent probably about two and a half years getting rejection after rejection after rejection. And when I got my 20th rejection, I, I took a step back and I took some time to really think about it. I ended up switching literary agents, kind of reworking the proposal a bit. Can we talk about very, that? Can we talk about that sure. for a second first? Cause I don't sure. want to, I don't want to step over some of these things. Do you think that an issue was, was that you had the wrong people in your corner? Like we talk about the importance of mentorship and who you're surrounded by. Was the agent part of the problem? Well, the agent was extremely kind and nice, but perhaps she wasn't the right agent for me. So, you know, I'm just coming onto the show. My book is called Mom's Got Money. After 20 rejections, I think perhaps the agent should have figured out, you know, what the problem, clearly there's a problem. Clearly, you know, I would get so much feedback like, wow, Kat, you've got this like amazing platform, but we just bought a similar book. So it's a no. And then like two hours later, I'd get like, well, we really like your writing, but your platform's way too small. And so I was getting all this really conflicting feedback. And it wasn't until I switched literary agencies where the agent was able to identify the problem. She was like, look, I was trying to write a book to teach moms how to build a business. She's like, business and personal finance are two separate book categories, publishing categories. Everything in your proposal is all personal finance, money expert, appeared here on this new show, but it's a business book. And as some of the feedback I was getting, like, we have seven-figure entrepreneurs writing books. Like, why would we have you do it? We've got people with a million Instagram followers writing a business book. Like, who cares about you? So she said, you can still write a book for moms. But it should be a personal finance book because that's your business. See, I think for us in personal finance, because it is our business, they're very interconnected for us. Yeah. But in the book industry, there's a lot of people with businesses that have nothing to do with personal finance. But for us, they're one and the same. And so I really had to separate that out. And once I did that, and once I fixed the proposal to be purely a personal finance book, that's when I sold it. And I got three offers. I think that's so important for people to hear. Just, I feel like often we have the wrong coach and we think because of that, that like all coaches suck and, and, and that's no. not the case. Yeah. I think it's more surrounding yourself with the right people. But this story also cat is, is very, 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 very personal while yeah. you're giving people great advice. I want to kick this off with two stories you tell near the beginning of the book. The first one is you find out you're pregnant. Mm -hmm. I've, I've known you for a while. You're slightly, I don't know if OCD is the right word, but, 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 but <laughs> a little bit type A. <laughs> like, what do you mean, Joe? What are you trying to say? Well, let's just put it this way. Would you, <laughs> would you wrote in the book that you took 10 different pregnancy tests just to make sure and confirm? I'm like, yes, I, I, I completely believe that. So he was so, like, yep, that's cat. But so just so everyone knows, Joe and I have known each other for like 10 years. Right. <laughs> He's like, yep, that sounds about right. That is, that is, that is you. But you're at the hospital. Uh, yeah. You and your husband, Jonathan, are at the hospital and, mm -hmm. and getting an ultrasound. And tell me that story. Yeah, we just, I, I wanted to, you know, confirm that we were in fact pregnant. And um, Jonathan was in medical school at the time. I waited until he had like a break in classes and, 
we're there and everything's really, really quiet. And then all of a sudden the ultrasound tech says, you said the, you said the, you said the dude, by the way, and I know I'm buttoning in right at the wrong point, but you said that the dude, the dude like, didn't say like three words the whole time at all. He was very quiet. It was like deafeningly silent. And of course, like Jonathan's so professional, like med school student. And I'm just like, I'm inside my head, like screaming, like, is anyone going to say anything? And he he goes, do twins run in your family? And I mean, I just start, you know, normally I'm kind of like, you know, prim and proper a little bit. I just start cursing and I'm like, holy, you know what? Like over and over again. And I'm embarrassing my husband. And right there on the screen, those two little dots crazy. I, it was an insane day. <laughs> I remember that day for us too, that when Cheryl, Cheryl stopped by my office, I didn't get to go to the ultrasound because I was in my first year as a financial planner and um, brought the ultrasound picture. And she goes, yeah. see this and see this. Uh, uh, yeah. She goes, those are two hearts. And I immediately thought we had a deformed baby. Right? Oh no. That's awful. Yes, yeah. Somebody with two your hearts. Mind doesn't jump to like two kids. No. So, no, so I, I couldn't so, believe it. So immediately you are now a young mom and yep. with a husband who is in his, uh, in medical school. Uh, yeah. Second year. So long way to go before, like so long to go before anything exciting or interesting happens, like so many years to go. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then he starts a residency halfway across the universe in Detroit, Michigan. And you then fast forwarding are at the grocery store in line. And this story is, is not that long ago. This is six years ago. Yeah. About six years. The kids were two. They just turned seven. So right when we moved here. Yeah, so tell me what happened right? at the grocery like, store. The thing is, Joe, and I haven't like shared this story ever because I had such shame about it. You know, I'm supposed to be somebody that helps other people with their money and I did everything right on paper. And I think this is what a lot of people are going to relate to. You know, I chronicled me being pregnant with these twins to thousands of people on my blog. I shared how I was growing my business, how I was going to, I became self-employed three months before I had them. I saved up a $10,000 baby fund. Like I saved up so much money to have like down payment, like on the apartment, like I had so many different savings account and it was so organized. But by the time we had them, they had their NICU time. We moved across the country. We did all of this. It was dwindling. And I ended up having to use WIC, which is a government program for low-income mothers because the twins needed this super expensive specialty formula. And I'm looking at our bank account and I'm looking at the dwindling savings and the pediatrician's like, you know, you can get formula for free. So I take the WIC checks for the first time to the grocery store. And I'm like, you, you have twins. And I'm sure you can remember those early days where you're just, you're like dead. Like you're raw. Yeah. You've been up all night. Zombie. Like, like I'm not my normal self. Like I have just moved across the country with these babies and I'm holding this WIC check and I tried to give it to the cashier and they have no idea what it is. She was like, I've never seen one of these before. So I'm already embarrassed. Like I already want to like die and crawl into the floor. She gets on the intercom on the entire grocery store and says, you know, customer needs assistance with a WIC check. 
And at that moment, this dad is behind me in line. He's got two kids with him and all of his groceries on the cart. And he just gets mad and he leaves all of his groceries on the line. And he walks out the door with his two kids and he's just hopping mad that I'm like taking up so much time. I've got the babies with me, of course, because now Jonathan's third year medical student at the hospital and Anyways, but I, I get the formula, I leave and like babies are crying, I'm crying all the way home. And it was such a low point for me because I was so excited to like move to self-employment. I had felt like I was such an example to people like, you can do this, you can have these babies, you can stay home, you can work from home, we can make it all work. And like, I couldn't buy them formula that day. It was a real low point, but it was a real turning point too, because I really stepped up my game with the business after that. So I'm like, I can't ever do that, have this feeling again. Like this is a terrible feeling and I won't do this again. But you also make a other couple great points during that. Mm -hmm. You have a nice long few paragraphs about how there's so many people who are in that situation, Kat, and they fault themselves. And, right. and you've got these great encouraging words that say, listen, this is a point in time this is not a death sentence. This is not, no. uh, and you know, and there's a good chance it isn't your fault that you're here. Yeah. And I think especially given the last year and the pandemic, you know, there are forces beyond us and it's good to know that you can be a successful person and still have hard moments. And it gave me such empathy for people who are in those situations. It, I think it just, it made me a better person going through it because now I realized that everybody goes through hard times and everybody can pull themselves out of it. And it, it really means nothing about you. It's kind of what you do after the fact. So yeah, I, I hoped to like share with other moms that if they're in that point or if they pick up the book and they're a paycheck to paycheck, like it can be the start of something really great. In six years from then to now, actually very quickly after that, you took your business to be a six-figure business in very short order, but it wasn't a year or two during this whole struggle, you've been laying the foundation for a long time. So I feel like I want to make sure people don't think that this is an overnight success story because it's not. You've been laying this foundation for a long, mm -hmm. long time. And you talk about a lot here about moms and about how a lot of people feel lost like you did as a mom. And I, th I thought this is powerful as somebody that has twins. So you talk about how with your twins, like you're the one that communicates with the teachers. Right. And it isn't because Jonathan won't. It's because of the yeah. fact that that's what mom does. Yeah. But mom is not the mom from the fifties TV show anymore. Right. Catherine mom, no. mom now has a full-time job working her ass off doing all this stuff. And yet there are still these familial roles yeah. Uh, yeah. where mom's expected to do all this. And yet, and mom, because of that has all this purchasing power. Mom has tons of purchasing power and you go through the numbers and you may have those offhand, Yeah, but mom still doesn't feel very confident about money. Like the people that reach out to you do not feel confident about money and they, they really should. Yeah. I mean, you're so right. And that's why I specifically wanted the book to be about millennial moms. There's 9 million of us. And it's such a unique segment of the population because uh, there are a lot of working moms. This book speaks to stay at home moms and single moms as well. But there are a lot of moms who are dealing with unique things like having to pay their own student loans while trying to figure out how to save for their kids college. And there's a lot more marketing power, like brands know that there's 9 million millennial moms, and they know that we make almost 90% of the purchasing decisions for our families. So 
constantly, I can't even pump gas without seeing a video now. And so there's a lot more pressure to buy. And I understand that this is a different time and place. But yeah, I talk a lot about the, you know, there's an emotional toll of being a mom. There is an emotional load of being the primary decision maker. At the same time, one of my arguments is that because you're the primary decision maker, like you're a leader in your family and you already have all of the skills and the power necessary to be amazing with money. You just don't realize it yet. You know, in my family, if, if Cheryl doesn't want to do it, we ain't doing it. Like, like she runs the show, but that's in most families. Most people I know that's, that's the case, but how do people, and, and, and by the way, you talk to women, but I've seen plenty of men in this spot where they also feel inadequate because of the machismo stuff. But you talk about a boss attitude. Like how do you change that dial to be somebody who feels like they're being trampled to somebody who's in control? Where do you start? Yeah, well, I'm I'm a big studier of personal development and I believe the the idea, the science that our thoughts determine our feelings. And so I have a big chart in the book that gives some examples of thoughts that you can change. So like I am terrible with money can be changed to a neutral thought like it's just money, which neutral thoughts can eventually grow to like, I'm kind of good at money. And so it's all about sort of like changing your mindset and your attitude about how you think about money. And if it's too hard to go from money is really hard to money is super easy, there's all these like middle neutral thoughts that you can step into to sort of make your way to the other side. That's part of what the boss mindset is. It's just about having the confidence and the way that you get confident with money is that you just practice and learn. You try, you fail, you work on things, you read, and just like learning anything a little bit every day, you'd be surprised six months from now how much you can store in your brain and change. I love the envisioning that you talk about too, that you think about yourself as the CEO. And if I'm yeah. the, if I'm the CEO and I'm the person in charge, well then I've got to make decisions. And I don't know, just that. I kind of put myself in that, uh, those shoes when I read you talking about that. And I don't know, j- just that, I don't know if it's play acting or what it is, just yeah. changes everything. Yeah, because moms are already the CEOs, but there's this, you know, there's this common feeling of like, no one appreciates mom or like Mother's Day is the only day that we appreciate mom or like no one knows how much mom does. Like these are common things. These are things that I talk about with my friends. Like no one realizes how much we do. If we left for a week, good luck, everyone. These are things we joke about. But the thing is, is that if moms only realized, yeah, you're kind of the boss, you know, like you kind of run the ship. And that's a very empowering position to be in. And that's what I'm trying to say. Like they've already, there's nothing new that these moms need to learn. Like you already got it. It's just about realizing the power that you already have and applying that to some higher level decisions. Let's go tactical. You talk about a family meeting, a family budget meeting. Let's talk about what that means to you. (laughs) Well, I love, I actually, you know, Cheryl and I do them. We do them weekly. We have them over over either pancakes or wine, depending on the time of day. Yeah, depending on how it goes. (laughs) So I love our meeting, but but that's also a learned trait. And you talk about how that's a learned trait for you. But but how does that meeting work? Can you set that up for us so that we know what we should do, maybe what we shouldn't do? 
Yeah. Well, I think like the first step, especially if you've never done this meeting before is realizing that it might kind of suck at first, but again, with anything is that you get better with things that time you might even look forward to it over time once you get used to it, but you really just want to know where you stand. I mean, for us, I'm like, Hey, we have this much in our bank account. Our investments are doing this. These are the things that I would like to buy. Like this is, you know, we kind of have this agreement. If something's over $50, ask about it. If it's under $50, it, sh- it should be fine in cash flow. And that, that rule might be different for other families. So you go through it, you sort of check your expenses, you know where you stand. And that way, like if you got a little spendy with your restaurants the month before, we do it once a month. It's kind of like, hey, Maybe in April, we should like stop fully funding the Thai place down the street. Like maybe we should. And you just kind of adjust naturally from there. But it's a good time to talk about your goals. Um, I always say to really start with the big goals. That way, if you get a little touchy about stuff, I say touchy, like it can get intense sometimes. You remind each other, hey, we're on the same team. Let's go back and look at the big goals, the long-term goals, and let's work backwards. Okay, maybe that big trip, maybe it shouldn't be that expensive. Maybe it should be this because we want to be here in five years. So yeah, we do that once a month. I had to laugh that um, some of the conflict that you had was over hair care products and not for you, <laughs> but for Mr. McDreamy. Which, McDreamy. Yeah, which, which I'm going to. Nice hair, man. I'm, I'm going to text him and and uh, call him McDreamy from now on. <laughs> you should. You yes. should. I, I heard about yeah. your hair care products, but but you say tension's okay. Yeah, but that's the funny thing about us is that I am so frugal. I will never like buy things. Everything nice that I own has been a gift from Jonathan. Like if you see me in like Lululemon pants, I promise you, I have not been at that store buying them for me. It's been. Cause he's bought them for me. Like I won't do it, but Jonathan, like he, he takes very good care of himself, but yeah, early in our marriage, he would like go get his haircut and come back with just like jars of stuff. And then I'm like, what is this? And it's like texture, you know, it's like, I don't like you see me right now. And I've got, you know, I get my mom, but there's no texture here, but yeah, I, he's funny about that stuff. So yeah, those are some of like the really early days, you know, when we were, we had tiny budgets. I'd be like, you can't just buy texture every time you get your hair cut. But you know, now it's like, it doesn't matter. But that's good. You know, you, you, years you, later. But, you, but no, but you have to have that fight. I mean, you have to have yeah. that discussion. You can't, cause you know what happens, Kat, you've had plenty of yeah. people write you about this. They, they bottle it, right? Yeah. Because they don't know how to bring it up. And I don't yeah. know that reading your book, I thought it's not about style. It's about just doing right. it. Yeah. Jonathan always says the best thing about me is that you always know what I'm thinking. And the worst thing about me is that you always know what I'm thinking. So there's not a lot of like bottled up rage. It just, it always comes out, but I think it's good to talk about things as they happen. I think I compared it to a Minecraft village in the book. You know, you move the cat, at least in my house, you move the couch and there's always Legos under it. Like if you keep sweeping it under the rug, you're going to have like a whole Minecraft village and it's going to be a lot harder to deal with. So it's easy to bring it up and be like, Hey, um, you buy buying texture a lot and that's like really adding up. Okay. But, but you go back to the big goals, which I love where yeah. you started there. And I don't want to uh, walk away from that. You sure. start off with what your big dreams are and you and Jonathan have written down those big dreams and what yep. you really want to have happen. And you kind of go back because it's not about hair products. It's about, no. we want this stuff. Correct. You know, I think there's a balance and I think in our family, it's not like, Oh, I know everything because I'm the money person and I wrote the money book. It's like, 
I have to realize to step back and that I can't control everything because it's, it's about a partnership. And then, you know, he has to realize it can't all be like work hard, play hard. It has to be like, wait, we got to think long term. We got to think this. So it's we're, we're very different, but we have the same goals. And it is those goals that kind of help you navigate the little sticky moments as they come up. Because for us, you know, we're trying to build generational wealth. We're not trying to just, oh, like we're not trying to retire early. We're not we're trying to like be the first among a long line of people who have a lot of success with money. And that's a big responsibility that we're working towards right now. And it's also responsibility though, that you, the self-imposed, which I think is cool. You know, yeah. like nobody gave you that goal. That's intensely your goal. Speaking of that, and I want to leave this here. Uh, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree you shared recently with me, but also on your Instagram account, which is always very interesting. We'll link to it in our show notes page that your son also has some pretty damn big goals. Kat. <laughs> I know I sent you a picture because I'm like, I got to show this to Joe. Yeah. He's uh, the kids get an allowance for, they have to do three specific chores to get the allowance. And you know me, I'm like hardcore. I'm like, sorry, you didn't do this. I'll give it to one twenty, not the other. If they didn't do their three tasks, like I mean it like for real, this is not, you know, I'm not just handing it to them willy nilly and they know it. So I give them $5 on Fridays if they've done their tasks and my son's saving up for some huge Lego. He changes his mind. He knows the prices of all the Lego. Someone gave him a Lego for his birthday. He's like, thank you. This was $20. I'm like, no, like, I'm so sorry. He loves numbers and he like memorized the Lego like catalog. I'm really sorry about that. But he, but, but he also, what we talk about here all the time, begin with the end in mind, right? I know. And, I know. And, and, and he begins with the end in mind. Like he knows that he's got that focus. Yeah. And I, he is very focused. And I, one of the things I loved is he said, well, this Lego 70. So if I have a hundred, you know, I'm going to have $30 left. So he's, he's constantly thinking like, what am I going to have? left after I spend it. So to restart the next goal. So, um, he's very focused on, on that. And my daughter is super creative. So I keep saying like, she painted a pair of shoes the other day. I'm like, all right, you know, whatever. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, well you can sell painted shoes. Like that could be a business, you know? And I'm trying to say like, if it was a business, what brand would you call it? And she was like, well, I think I'd call it, you know, rainbow wars. I'm like, yeah, you can sell this. If you enjoy doing it, you can make money doing what you love. So I'm always trying to teach them different little things so that, you know, I'm not going to just pass everything down to them so they can, you know, eat Cheetos all day. Like they got to carry it on and do their own thing. But back to your son, <laughs> Yeah. back to your son, you see his desk. Yeah. Yeah. He taped it all up in front of his desk. <laughs> he's, he's, he's got the goals all written right in front of him, man. It's, Keep it, yeah. it's, a, it's like what you always hear about putting it on the mirror. So you see it in the yeah. morning, man. He sits down at his desk. He's got the goal right there. Right there. And it's all like plus five, plus five. And I didn't understand why at first he was like, that's how many allowance payments I have till I get there. I'm like, I see. I just thought maybe you didn't think to do plus 10, but I get it now. You know? The book is mom's got money. A millennial mom's guide to managing money like a boss. I'm assuming you can get it everywhere. Books are sold everywhere. Yeah. Awesome. And we'll also link by the way to your site, katherineelford.com. If uh, people want to, and, and by the way, follow Kat on uh, Instagram because it is hilarious and, and you <laughs> yeah. learn, you learn stuff. It's hilarious. You see the kids in action and uh, just like my twins, they are, they, they're like night and day. <laughs> <laughs> the <total> opposite. <laughs> well, thanks for hanging out with me and including Thank us you on for the inviting book tour. me. 
Hey, trivia fans. I'm the head of this little podcast family, Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. Did you know that America's first family made their on-air debut on this date in 1987? The Simpsons have managed to stay relevant for a long time, but I think I could have done better. Like, Homer is always going after those chocolate donuts. Doesn't he know that glazed are America's choice? I mean, come on, Homer. And, and he's always strangling Bart. Did I miss the Child Protective Services episode? Or speaking of Bart, how many times does that kid have to write on the board to finally learn his lesson? So we all know that Homer works at Springfield Nuclear Power Plant. So our question is this. What form of energy powers more of the U.S., nuclear or wind? I'll be back faster than you can order a dozen glazed donuts. This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. And now a word from our sponsors at Betterment. Do you want your money to dream big? You want your money to be a total self-starter? Are you annoyed that your money doesn't work hard enough? Well, don't worry. Betterment is here to help. Betterment's the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Their automated technology is built to help maximize returns, meaning when you invest with Betterment, your money can auto-adjust as you get closer to your goal, rebalance if your portfolio gets too far out of line, and your dividends are automatically reinvested. That can increase the potential for compound returns. In other words... Your money's breaking a sweat while you can be breaking bread. You'll never picture your money in the same way again. Betterment, the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Visit Betterment.com to get started. Investing involves risk. Performance is not guaranteed. Hey, stackers. It's me, Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. Today is the anniversary of The Simpsons jumping on televisions all over the world way back in 1987. Probably the only people who knew that fact were me and Lisa Simpson, who's clearly the smartest eight-year-old on the planet, a little smarter even than Joe. You think if she were that smart, she'd point out that her mom's hairstyle defies the laws of physics. Speaking of science, let's get you to today's trivia answer. The question was, since Homer works at Springfield Nuclear Power Plant, which energy powers more of the USA, nuclear or wind? Currently, the U.S. gets 60.3% of electricity from fossil fuels, 19.8% from renewables such as wind, hydropower, and solar. Of those three, wind is about 8% all by itself. And that leaves 19.7% coming from nuclear. Sorry, I said it wrong. Nuclear. It's time for me to go power myself up with some tasty donuts. I don't know where that fits in the percentages, but they're awfully good. See ya. 
There's so many jokes about Doug and windmills, but not enough time to get to all those. We got serious work to do. Big thanks to Kat Alford for joining us. I love this idea that it's you have to be okay when you start having these money talks with having them be a little contentious. OG, like it just it, it's it's going to be there, and just avoiding the fight by avoiding the subject altogether. Yeah, that's not a good idea. Yeah, absolutely the wrong approach. Get the fights out of the way. Get on the same page, and do it. And whether you do her monthly meeting, do it the way that Cheryl and I do it with a weekly meeting that's it's much shorter. Or cats monthly, much more like a uh, the corporate quarterly earnings call, which I also like that analogy. I think you know we didn't talk about that with cat, but for me, that uh, thinking about yourself as if you're a public company helps you make better financial decisions. Right. Yeah, good stuff. Let's throw out the Haven Lifeline and tackle some of life's most important questions. Our friends at Haven Life Insurance Agency they put what you value first. Not fighting about my quarterly budget budget meeting. <laughs> <laughs> avoiding the budget meeting and no, that's not what we're trying to do, dude. Come on, come on. Finding harmony with Mrs. OG. Finding harmony. I like that. I'm going to, I'm going to use that phrase from now on. Babe, we need to find harmony. Find harmony. <laughs> find harmony. I know her well enough to know the look on her face. When you say that, like what the, what the, what? Yeah, that's what I'm going to do. You can find more time finding harmony if you're not filling out life insurance applications. You could. Which historically has taken forever, but Haven Life has figured out which questions are actually the ones they need. So it's simple. They've moved it all online from that big old paper application, and you get an instant coverage decision, affordable prices, and policies issued by their parent company, Mass Mutual, which of course has been around for more than 160 years. Today, we're going to throw out the lifeline to our new friend, Kyle. Say hi, Kyle. Hey, Joe and OG. My name is Kyle from Maryland, and I got a question for you about my 401k. In my opinion, it's terrible options. It's with Fidelity, and the only index fund is a mid-cap fund, it's FSMDX. Everything else has the expense ratio of over 0.6%, most of which are closer to 1%. And those just all seem like a rip-off to me. Because of the lack of options in my 401k, I've been putting the max $6,000 a year into my IRA at Vanguard and choosing whatever funds I want. Don't worry, they are index funds. I'm still contributing about $300 to my 401k to get the company match, but I just feel like I'm getting ripped off. Hoping you would have some suggestions on what to do. Should I just keep contributing and then eventually move the 401k to my IRA whenever I leave. I'm 28 years old, so most likely I would change jobs at some point in my career. I appreciate your input, even though I haven't learned anything yet. I'm hoping I will on the next episode, (laughs) but we both know that's doubtful. Come on, Kyle. You got to have a can-do attitude. Glass is half full, brother. Glass is half full. Thanks for the question. This is a great topic that we absolutely love talking about. Uh, OG, what's going on here? And is he getting ripped off? Yeah, the person that's ripping you off is yourself, man. If you think that you're going to make or break your retirement because Fidelity funds are 0.6 and Vanguard is 0.1, you're out of your mind. It has nothing to do with that. Study after study has shown that that's not the reason that people are successful or not successful because of their index funds pricing or something like that. 
It has everything to do with whether or not you behaviorally do the right thing. Do you put in the amount of money that's required to reach your goals? I don't know that $6,300 a year is going to be enough to be financially independent in the future. But making the choice to not put money in because it's marginally more expensive isn't the right plan either. What I think you're doing, and this depends on your income, of course, is I think you're, you know, that phrase, biting off your nose to spite your face. You're like, well, I'm going to put my money in my IRA instead. Well, you don't get any tax deferral for that because you have a workplace plan. So you can't, you can't put money in an IRA and get a tax deferral. Yeah, but it sounds like he's using the Roth on that side, which is, which is fine. Do the Roth. That in- Did he say he was using a Roth in Vanguard? Well, you're right. He didn't say that, but I'm hoping he used the Roth because if he uses the Roth at Vanguard first, I've got no problem with that because he's doing the first thing, which is the behavioral thing. But then number two, he's fighting maybe the third dragon down that you and I agree is still a dragon, but not the one that he should be so obsessed with is he's lowered his fees. Yeah. Except for the fact that, listen, having seen this and done this a million, million, million times, There's going to be something that comes up that makes him so he doesn't max out his Roth this year or next year or in five years from now or something, right? There's going to be some excuse that happens because it's not automated. It's not coming out of your paycheck and all over, you know, because the expense ratio on this 6,000 bucks is $3 more, if my math is right. I mean, it's not the three bucks or it's 30 bucks. I don't know. I can't, I'm not going to bother getting on my calculator. It's one of those two numbers, but that that's not going to be the thing that makes it or breaks it. You know what I mean? It's so exhausting listening to people argue this, this point. Meanwhile, they put all their money in Vanguard total market index, which is heavily dominated in large cap. And, uh, oh yeah, missed out on a 50% return in the last year because small caps were better than large caps or don't have any international exposure or the market goes down 50% and they take their money out because they're petrified, you know, and it sits in cash for a year before they put it back in. All of this stuff is not the solution because of the fact that, you know, Vanguard's got this amazing expense ratio. They, you know, that didn't prevent you from making this big catastrophic mistake last March and pulling your money and putting it in cash. Didn't prevent you from being adequately diversified and capturing the upside of value in small cap in the last six or seven months. All it did was give you a cheap way to not have enough money. So good job, you know, and it's something to beat the drum on. Like that's just happens to be right now. The topic du jour has been for years and yet the biggest issue. Because it's easy and it feels like an easy win, right? And it totally is an easy win if you have the behavioral stuff down, But to your point, people don't have the behavioral stuff down, so they don't get the easy win. What they get is your phrase, biting off their mom's phrase, really. That's a like 1950s phrase, biting off your nose to spite your face. Yeah, so I don't think think that you're uh, quite the hero that you thought. But listen, here's the thing. The major piece is putting money away. As long as it's not going in a shoebox, that's the important thing. Put it at Vanguard, put it at Fidelity, put it in your brokerage account. I don't care where you put it. Save a whole bunch, invest it, and don't bleep and touch it. If you can do most of that, you're going to be fine. It's when you don't do those other things that then you, you know, look and go, well, I got charged an extra 30 bucks. So that's why I didn't retire. So save crap loads of money, put it wherever the hell you want to put it, but don't touch it. 
let's get a little analytical with him though. If he does want to do better with the funds that are inside of his 401k, uh, first of all, let's talk about what he can do with the funds just the way they are. There's that great phrase that I love, which is face the world the way it is, not the way you wish it were, right? He wishes he had lower fund fees. He does not have lower fund fees. He has what he has. Here's how to make the best use of that. Two things. Number one is that he can look for the efficient frontier. There's places online to look for that so he can get better diversification on his money. Lots of, lots of, lots of studies show that having the right diversification is way better than having the correct fund. Way, way, way better. So to OG's point, you avoid a lot of fees by using the one fund approach. Congratulations. You missed out on an asset class that just absolutely rocked that probably would have been a part of your portfolio had you actually looked for the efficient frontier. Many places to do that for free online. Second, when it comes to picking funds, if you want to, inside of each of those asset classes that you should have, go to the site called Morningstar. Morningstar.com will compare your funds one against each other in each asset class. Now, don't go look at small cap because OG just said it's great and put everything there because that was the hot winner last year. You have to dive into the whole picture, which is why you start with what pie chart do I need to start with, with my goal. And then I work backwards from that point. So if I need 20% in small cap, then I'm going to go look at the small cap funds that are in my 401k. Going to go to Morningstar. I can look at, by the way, Kyle, I can look at the fees. I can look at the returns. I can look at how long the, sounds like they're active managers in your mutual fund because there's only one index fund. Well, then I can look at manager tenure, which all of a sudden then becomes really important, right? How long has this manager been been there? Because if a different manager built the portfolio returns and a new manager just took over, uh, those returns don't really, don't really matter. When you have a regime change in an active fund, it matters. So you can look all that up at Morningstar. Morningstar, by the way, is a free site. They will ask you to register, and there's two ways to register. They're going to try to get you to do a paid registration. That's more for pros and for people who are going to use it a lot. For you, there's also a free registration. I recommend doing that. I've had my Morningstar registration for ever and ever and ever, uh, my free one. And I'd say I'm there three days a week. Beyond that, then let's talk about why his 401k OG is the way that it is. And Kyle, probably I would guess, I'm just guessing here, but you know, like you said, you've done this a long time and it is behavior, not fees that wins the day. But also I would think based on uh, your and my experience, Kyle probably works at a small company. And because of that, he's using versions of these funds that allow the small company to offer a 401k in the first place, which means he's going to eat some of those fees that in a bigger company, a lot of the time, the the big company will eat. You think that's true? Uh, yeah, maybe, you know, and he can bring that up to management. You know, you can ask them to review it and see if they can't get you a better deal. Uh, that would be another thing that you could do for everybody else too. Yeah, I would definitely, and I wouldn't just go complain and say the fees are high. I would, I would even at Fidelity, Kyle, I would show them different funds at Fidelity that you like. So if all the funds are Fidelity funds, just find different funds where they already are and saying, listen, we could even keep the same people that we have now. I don't understand why we're using these high cost funds versus these other ones that are low cost funds. 
and begin to bring it up because a lot of the time, and we're having worked with a lot of HR people back when I would go to companies and explain their benefits to them. A lot of HR people will tell you, everybody thinks nobody's paying attention. And when someone like you says, Hey, I think we can do better. And you show them a positive way to do the same thing better. Win-win. Yeah. Can't promise results, but I think that that's good for everybody. And then finally, I do like what you're saying about rolling it over when you leave the company. The only thing to watch out for is this, is that when you leave the company, if you need money pre-59 and a half, you may want to leave some money there if you plan on accessing some of that money before 59 and a half, because some 401ks allow you to get at your money before 59 and a half. And with an IRA, you're going to have to jump through some hoops to do that. So make sure that rolling it over not only meets with the fee structure that you're looking for, but also with your long-term goals. But I think, OG, you and I have met a lot more people that uh, have become multimillionaires saving into what you and I would classify as the wrong funds than I think a lot of our, that a lot of our money friends would think would be the case. Yeah. Which also shows you that it's not the, it's not that. And do you want more money? Yeah. And do you like lower fees? Yeah. But Behavior to win the day. Don't put less money in because to OG's point, you're just hurting yourself. Thanks for that question, Kyle. You got a question for us? Head to stackingbenjamins.com forward slash voicemail. And uh, like Kyle, you too can get some uh, greatest money show on earth swag that Gertrude is uh, sending your way, Kyle, for asking the question. Thanks for that. All right. That's going to do it for today. Man, we got a lot of people to thank. Not just Kyle and Kat, but all of you for hanging out with us again on another Monday. Coming up on Wednesday, William Green joins us. We're going to talk about billionaire investors, some of the top investors, and being uh, not just winning with money, OG, but winning at life. What can we learn from them? I think there's going to be a lot. Last but not least, if you're somebody that needs financial planning help in your corner, need to do a better job in 2021 than you did in 2020 or before, OG and his team are taking clients. Head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash OG, and that will lead you to their calendar. And you can interface with OG and his team to see how you can make better money decisions in the future. All right. That's going to do it for today. Doug, you got it from here, man. What should we have learned today? So what should we have learned today? First, take a lesson from our headline. With the world starting to open up in response to COVID-19, now might be the time to travel before prices return to pre-COVID levels. Second, take a lesson from Catherine Alford. The money meeting? It's okay if it's contentious, and maybe you should expect some struggles when you start, but having the conversations will make money management easier for everyone in the family. But the big lesson? The big... The big lesson. I forgot the big lesson. No. Wait, did I just sound like? No, of course not. Hmm. Well, let's just finish this thing out with some more stuff and then some other stuff and I'm going to go grab a donut. To learn more about our guests and for more resources, you can head to our show notes page at stackingbenjamins.com. To learn more about how you can get your financial life in order, check out Catherine Alford's new book, 
Mom's Got Money, A Millennial Mom's Guide to Managing Money Like a Boss, wherever books are sold. This show is created by Joe Salcihai, produced by Richie Rutter-Reese, and engineered by the amazing Steve Stewart. Online, visit us on Twitter, at SBenjamin'sCast, or on our Facebook page. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and I do not like computer jokes, not one bit. SB Podcasts may receive payment on the show from sponsors and guests in the form of books, giveaway items, discounts, or other remunerations. That's a big word. There's no way you take advice from these dorks, but like Joe's mom always says, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only. And before making any financial decisions, consult with a real financial advisor. Welcome to the After Show. Last week was a crazy week. We have lots of behind-the-scenes developments that are that are coming that we uh, can't wait to share. Nothing finalized yet, OG, but you and I were talking about one of them before the show, and I think it's going to be a pretty cool thing for our whole community. So says you. I, I, I think you would agree. Uh, if we can pull this off. It will be it will be good stuff. However, uh, I don't want to talk about that. I want to talk about something that happened last week that uh, we're late on. We actually, if you get the stacker, you've already read my thoughts on this. And if you are in our community, the basement, our our closed Facebook group, the basement. By the way, when I say closed, it means it's private, so everybody in the world isn't going to see your comments in the basement. Just people that are in there will so. To come join us at stackybenjamins.com forward slash basement, we'll give you the link. It's a longer Facebook link or in the search bar, just put Stacking Benjamins Basement and that will take you to us. But I was dismayed, OG, I don't even think dismayed was was the right word. And you were so busy last week, I don't, I don't think you even know this yourself. But um, I was doing some work in... Apple podcasts. And I clicked on our show. We're doing some work, by the way, on our descriptions of our show on our website. If you go to the website, you'll see that Richie and I have, uh, have done some work there, making it easier for people to find what they need for help in whatever area with over 28 million downloads now, since we began and well over a thousand shows, we have some help in lots of different areas. But the thing that was frustrating for me was a person named Great Show No Joke gave us a three-star review that said, Robin Hood, a sponsor now? And I started laughing because I thought it was just 
some of the crap that you get sometimes with reviews, people are surly. I, I try to take the stank out of some reviews and go, okay, what can we do to make this better? And a lot of the time it's helpful. It'd be even more helpful by the way. And you'll see why at the end of this, if we could have a conversation and I feel like sometimes people are leaving reviews where they really want to leave me a message. They're trying to give me a message because they like the show and they want it to be better. And uh, obviously so do we. So in this case, it says, I love the show, but this feels like a huge sellout with all the negative comments voiced on the show about Robin Hood until they write a check. What the hell? Like as if I'm going to go, as if I'm waiting for Robin Hood to, <laughs> to become a sponsor of the show. Like why, why would we, why would we do that? That, that doesn't make any sense at all to me. Our job on this show is to point the finger where the finger should be pointed. So when Wells Fargo had their problems, pointed to that. Bank of America's had problems. When there's fraudsters in the industry. And time after time when Robin Hood lies to you and you get these fanboys going, hey, it's okay. It's okay. They're not that bad. Yes, they are bad. And they continually lie to you. I feel like to some degree, that's our job. So imagine my dismay then when, after I read that, within the hour of reading that OG, I get a letter from Brittany who uh, signs up to the stacker and she just hit reply and said, hey, I love this guide to today's show, but I just can't understand why you have a Robin Hood ad in today's show. And then I understood what the review was. And then I realized that someone at Westwood One hit a button incorrectly and added a Robin Hood spot to our show. Oh my goodness. I know. Which some people in our basement Facebook group said, I was waiting for the joke. They th- Sometimes we will have joke advertisements, right? We'll have these parodies. They were waiting for the parody, but there was no joke at the end. There was no parody. It was a real Robin Hood ad. So I want to address this a couple of times. First thing I did was that was we went to, we went to Westwood one and told them how our credibility with our audience is what we value the most. And they helped us uh, erode that. Of course, the person that left this review is probably going to leave it up. And everybody who's new to the show is going to wonder what the hell we're doing, but it is what it is. I can't do anything about that now. The other thing that people need to know is I also made it clear to Westwood One, we are not going to take any money that Robinhood may have paid. I don't want to be paid by Robinhood. I don't want any Robinhood's cash. If I worked for Robinhood and I knew that we put an ad on our show where during the same episode, we were talking about how finally getting rid of the damn confetti was a good idea is hilarious for us and appalling for them but also appalling for me because a Robin hood ad is not, is not where we're at. So just to pull the curtain back, I used to be able to hear all the advertisements before we moved to Westwood one. I could hear all the advertisements ahead of time. I could hear the sponsorship spots at a time. We still have some that we do at the time, but I have a list and I have to approve OG and I have to approve every sponsor. So on last Monday's show, as an example, it was Navy federal masterclass Geico Discover and the Talking Real Money podcast. Those were brands that I really like. They're people we can get behind, organizations we can get behind. Robinhood, not at all. 
So you shouldn't expect that from us. But I think there's a point, obviously on our end, we have to own that, but I'm hoping for something else. Certainly feel free to leave us a review. If you've got a review of this show, no matter what it is, please leave us a review. But if your goal, like it feels like it is sometimes, is to give me a message about changing the show and making it better, I would love your help. Brittany and I, OG, had a fantastic discussion back and forth about what happened, and then she helped us solve the issue. So huge thanks to Brittany. I could do something about it when you write to me. So I'm not saying don't leave me a review. Please leave us a review, but please help us make the show better by just writing me, joe at stackingbenjamins.com. And if you've got something you really don't like, I would love, love to pick your brain about doing that. OG will tell you, I annoyingly tinker. Yeah. Yeah. And I want to talk about podcasting 24 seven, way more than any of you do. I want to talk about the art of making the show better. And, uh, anybody who's met me knows that I will bore the crap out of you doing that, but I definitely want to do it. So, um, I just feel bad that, uh, I didn't even take the review seriously. OG. I was like, until they write a check. What are you talking about? Interesting. Well, stackers, the show is over, but the party is just beginning here. You know why? Because it's military appreciation month and we are giving out shout outs to all of our friends who have served in the military. And let's point uh, the finger right here at our good friend, OG, who spent time in the military. And of course, we know what a giver he is, even when he pretends like he's being uh, Mr. Surly. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members to help them reach their goals. Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate, and you'll see all their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. They've got all kinds of resources on their site, like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life and Best Careers for Military Spouses to support military families. So much going on. Just head over to NavyFederal.org slash celebrate take a look at all the military appreciation month offers and their usual offers. Navy federal, our members are the mission. Navy federal is insured by NCUA equal housing lender. 